Good day, everyone. Welcome back to Culture Surfing. Today, I am back finally after a short hiatus. Life has happened to me, as I am sure has happened to quite a few of you guys. Um, it is a pleasure to be back, knowing everyone here on the mic. I also have with me Old Faithful, Lance Robertson. Say hello to everybody. How's it going, y'all? I'm excited for today's episode. All right. So today, we are going to be doing kind of a free agency slash off-season recap. We're going to be talking about some contenders. We're going to be talking about some pretenders. And we're going to be talking about some teams that are just plain awful but have a crap ton of money to spend. So a little bit of everything. Hopefully we hit uh, most everything that's relevant as far as what the offseason held. Obviously, please forgive us if we miss one here or there. Or if we don't talk about your favorite team because we don't think that they are worth talking about. So please forgive me if I have offended you two seconds into the episode, but that's just how it goes here on culture surfing. So this is culture surfing NBA edition. Let's get underway. First and foremost, Lance, let's get to it with the team that we all either love or love to hate the defending champ, the Lakers. I'm going to give you a quick rundown here of what they have done. Um, and, and we may and may not touch about some of the draft picks for some of these teams just because some of them we don't feel might may be relevant or not to what the actual team outlook is. Um, so we're going to go ahead and just – the Lakers will start with retaining. Uh, they retain Markeith Morick. They retain KCP. They lose Ray John Rondo, Dwight Howard, Avery Bradley. And then their additions are – Pretty significant, in my opinion. Mark Gasol, Mark Marcus Harrell, and Wes Matthews. So, where are you at, Lance? Give me, give me what, give me what you're thinking about the Lakers offseason so far. Okay, so as you were rattling down that list, I noticed we missed a significant name. This was not free agency, but as we do recall, the Lakers did trade. Uh, I believe it was their 28th pick in the draft for Dennis Schroeder, as well as pairing Danny Green in that oh, yeah. trade. So. They actually picked up a guard that can control the ball and and score. So yeah, that's that's another thing that uh, the Lakers did. And honestly, I think for the most part, I wasn't down on what they did. I don't think anything was super impressive. I do kind of like the Dennis Shooter just because LeBron doesn't have to worry about having the ball in his hand all the time. Because I think that was I don't want to say a problem, but I think at LeBron's advanced basketball age. I think adding a legitimate ball handler is going to help immensely. But what I will say is the Marcus All signing, which just came out of nowhere, it looked like uh, so. Knowing from what I'm hearing from some Mavericks writers that I follow, um, the Mavericks were in on that on trying to sign Gasol. But it looks like they got the good old classic uh, leverage treatment to where Gasol was like, "Hey, I got a lot of suitors, including the Mavs." And as I was saying, um, it looks like Mark Gasol used the Mavericks as leverage uh, in getting this deal. And yes, Mark Gasol did take a dip last season offensively. He's still one of the better bigs in the NBA. And I mean, it was just in 2019 that he was a starting center for an NBA champion. So I think that is a pretty significant signing. And then the one thing we have to look for, of course, is Anthony Davis has yet to... uh, you know, sign his deal. And honestly, it's just a matter of how long that Davis is going to sign for. Cause at least per Brian Windhorse, uh, the rumor is that Davis is 
is waiting to see what Giannis is going to do with his uh, max extension, super max extension. So maybe we'll see Davis on a two plus one or maybe even a one plus one. I, at least in my opinion, I think Davis is trying to not put all his eggs in one basket with the Lakers being that, that LeBron could definitely retire next year or two years from now. And then Davis will be looking around and being like, well, what do I have next to me? So if I'm going to assume that's probably what he's doing in terms of like contract wise, I think he's going to go for a shorter deal, but all in all, yeah, I like, uh, I like the the deals they did. I think, um, I, I guess the way I look at it is um, for sure. Obviously we think that AD is going to resign, right? We don't expect there to be any, any outcome other than that. Um, Danny Green was another name that we left out on the lost list there, <clears throat> but they, the question here is really, is are the Lakers a better team today than they were when the season ended? And that that's kind of what we're trying to answer here and what we're going to try and do about with each one of these teams. If you were to ask me before the Marcus Gasol signing, I would say that they probably made a lateral move after the Marcus Gasol signing. I think that they got better. Um, I think that's the move that makes the difference for me. Uh, I like what, what – uh, what Howard did last season, obviously Rondo was a difference maker for them in the playoffs. Every Bradley was irrelevant. He wasn't there. Um, but, uh, and then Danny Green, you know, he's, he was a scapegoat there for that big miss shot. But, you know, I think, I think that's probably, I'd say that's a wash, right? Just losing Danny Green and getting Wesley Matthews. It may even be. Uh, let's, I, I will say, I will say Danny Green's still better defensively. Okay. Uh, but maybe a wash offensively. So then, but def, I think Green will still be better defensively. The other exchange that I see, is, if we're looking at this, is basically Howard for Montrez, um, which is interesting uh, to me because you would think that the reigning sixth man of the year is an upgrade from Dwight Howard. But I think it's a big drop-off defensively. Yeah, I, I agree strongly. So I think... And I, and I and I don't know. I don't feel like the team lacks that much, you know. Like I don't feel like their offense is all that horrible to where, you know, the the move makes sense. Like obviously the biggest, and I know this is the biggest thing as far as the storyline goes. They love the fact that they're able to get them from the next door neighbor, right? Because um, to them, it's it's not just gaining Montrez; it's the fact that the Clippers don't have them. So that's that's definitely to me probably. You know, so the way the Lakers are looking at it is they feel like they got stronger more because of their their direct, you know, rival getting weaker. The Marco Saul one is where it's really relevant to me. It's I, I actually, you know, he's he's not the same Marco Saul that we you know we remember running around in Memphis. But like you just mentioned, he is still, you know, just a couple of years removed of being the starting center on the championship team. And I think, you know, he's still definitely good enough to play for a contender like the Lakers, especially considering that the role that he'll have there won't be, you know, what was expected of him whenever he was at Memphis. Schroeder deal, I like a lot. I think that Schroeder is a big uh, improvement. Um, He's not going to be the Rondo defense, uh, but he's definitely going to give you a lot more burst on offense than Rondo did. He does take away a little bit of pressure on that creating side of it. And he does put a lot of pressure on opposing defenses because he does get to the line really, really fast. Um, so I, I do, I do like the finding, I think overall, 
maintaining Markeith Morris was really important for them. He was arguably their third best player at times throughout the playoffs last season. So all in all, I think the Lakers get better. I think they got better over over the offseason. Man, you're really strong on Markeith Morris. I was not expecting that from you. Because <laughs> the last time I saw Markeith Morris, uh, I think his brain went dead and just he tried to do an, one of the most worst entry passes I've ever seen in my life. I <laughs> and, and I'm you know I'm not gonna poo-poo a yeah. guy's whole career because of one play, but man, that was just that at least Danny Green's shot hit the rim, okay? I don't know what I I don't know what Markeith's thought pro I know he was trying to get an entry pass in, but A D is not ten feet tall, so I don't know. All right. Um all right, well give me give me your opinion then. What where do you what do you think about overall? Okay, so this is one thing that's going to stick out with me for Schroeder. I mean, he could obviously start, but man, I think I think it would be better if he didn't start. I think he should come off the bench because without Rondo, there's not a – and this is crazy to talk about Schroeder, but I think at this point he's a veteran. They don't really have a veteran on the bench that can really, you know, create, you know. And I think it'll be better for him to come off the bench – and and I think LeBron during the regular season, I'm sure you know, especially this season, I think we're gonna see a two week vacation from from LeBron. Like, and I'm not even playing. I think he's gonna go like on vacation. Like, he's gonna call Adam Silver. He's gonna be, <laughs> hey, look, man, y'all kind of screwed us. We're the defending champions. I'm LeBron. I'm pretty much the face of this league and arguably the face of you know sports. And I have to have a, a short, you know. Uh, break. So I'm going to take it upon myself and you can punch me if you want, but it's going to look bad on you, but I'm going to take a break, maybe one week, maybe two weeks, but I'm going to say I got a bum, a groin, right? Which is what he's been actually been dealing with. So I can actually see this happening. He's going to say my, my groin's acting up again. And we're going to see his stint where LeBron's gone for two weeks and AD is going to go ape shit crazy and have like MVP numbers like for two weeks straight. But other than that, I like for the most part. I like what the Lakers did. I, but we'll talk about the next team and what I really think of what they did with just one move. What I really like about them, but I still think the Lakers are obviously favorites. I mean, they have LeBron and AD. It's really not saying much, but the Gasol thing sticks out to me the most. And as I was saying off air, it's going to be so ironic because Montrez left because Zubac is obviously going to be the starting center for the Clippers. But who's to say Gasol is not going to be the starting center for the Lakers, man? <laughs> he makes more sense. He can stretch the that. floor. He can defend. Yeah. Montrez can't shoot. He can't defend. I mean, he's he's great for the regular season in terms of rebounds and, and just the, the burst that he brings. But it might be one of those cases where the grass isn't always greener. So I just will say – Look at that for future storylines. And we know LeBron doesn't mess around. You can be cool as hell, but if you're not performing to his standards, he will get you traded. So let's just say that. And Montrez is on a very tradable contract. So the grass is not always greener. Yeah, that would that would actually be hilarious to see. Um let's move on from the from the Lakers. Uh the next team, because we the only reason we're gonna fly through some of these is because we have a lot of them to go through. Um the next team that we're going to talk about is the runner-ups from the last season, the Miami Heat. So we'll start with retained. 
They retained Dragic and Myers Leonard. Uh, they they lost Jay Crowder, Derrick Jones Jr. They added Mo Harkless and Avery Bradley. Where where are you at on these moves? I'm I'm okay with them. Uh, they retained they retained Dragic, which is honestly the thing I was worried about because I did not think they were going to commit two year multi years because from everything that I read, they were going to give them one chunk in one year, right? And the thing is, though, I believe the second year is a team option. It's an option. I don't know if it's a team or a player, but it's an option. So there's a chance that that might not even, you know, that they might opt out of it or he might opt out of it. But I'm just happy that Goran was able to get that money because, it, man, things look bad, dude. It looked bad for him. But he was still able to get the money and stay um, with Miami. And if there's an opt out, um, then he can get some more money after this year if he still performs uh, up to par with what he was doing. Uh, losing Crowder, I think, is going to be a bigger deal than a lot of people are thinking. Uh, I'm not super high on Crowder, but uh, he is kind of versatile in that he can play the three and the four. The only problem is during the playoffs, he disappeared with his three-point shooting, but he's still one of the better uh, defenders, at least cross defenders that can guard the three, the four. Um, so I think that's that's going to hurt them a little Resigning Myers Leonard, I think that was more so a Jimmy Butler thing. Uh, I don't really think he does much. As you saw in the playoffs, he really didn't play. Um, but I think uh, J- he's a Jimmy Butler guy. Uh, you can s- kind of see in the quotes that uh, he, that he, uh, I guess, kind of follows in, in Butler's footsteps in terms of like working out and, and just having a good uh, work ethic and being a good locker room guy. So I don't really know how much that's going to play into on-court stuff, but chemistry purposes and keeping your star player happy, it makes sense. Derek Jones Jr., um, it would have been nice to see them at least try to re-sign him. Uh, he did play a little bit in the finals. He didn't really have a good showing at all, but he's still young. I think he's only like 23 years old. Uh, and yeah, I... Overall, it was good that they were able to retain some of these players, especially Drogic, because I, uh, the Mavs were one of the teams that probably could have got him, but not at those numbers. So I'm just happy that he was able to get his deal. I think it's like two years, 37 mil, the second being an option. And then the additions were more Mo Harkless and Avery Bradley. So do you feel like those additions? Uh, yeah. So uh, the Harkless, he's he's just pre- he's just gonna be strictly a defender, right? So. That'll be just pretty much a defensive role. Every Bradley, I know you said he was irrelevant for the Lakers, but I will tell you what, uh, if he was playing in the bubble, I think I don't I don't think they lose as many games as they did. I think there would have been some sweeps in there because like say against the Rockets, now obviously he's not like a hardened beater or a, a Westbrook, you know, meltdowner, but he's definitely a lot more equipped to guard these um lack of a better word, guards. And also he could kind of carry the ball and he could shoot the three a little bit. So I think that's going to be huge for Miami because we saw that Jimmy Butler pretty much had to carry the load once uh, Drogic was out. They really didn't have any guards that could carry the ball. I know a uh, hero can shoot and kind of score, but he's not necessarily someone that I want controlling my offense. Um, so I think that's going to be a significant signing for them. Avery Bradley, that is. Yeah, I think to, to me the biggest thing is probably going to be that the Miami Heat were as successful as they were because of the culture, right? So the biggest thing is is how do Mo, Mo Harkless and Avery Bradley fit into that? And I think that they probably fall in line just fine. I don't 
I don't see that that is a big shakeup um, to what they were doing. I do, I do like like agree with you as far as the day goes. I think he's probably going to be missed because he was definitely very solid and probably a better shooter than more heartless. So that's probably where it's going to be missed because they do they they were very good out in the perimeter, and that's that's kind of you know what you lose when you lose Jay Crowder and in, in that, and as far as what their transactions were. So do overall, I don't think they necessarily got much worse. I don't necessarily, they got much better. So I, I think the heat probably, you know, I would give them a slight improvement because of the AB Bradley deal. And uh, so we gotta, we gotta keep this in mind. I really don't think like, I think the goal was to retain their players, or at least the core ones, and worry about next year with Giannis and everybody else, right? Because uh, right. they're it's Miami Heat, man. It's Pat Riley. They're, they're going for the stars, you know. I know they had a lapse in like 2017 where they kind of put all these mediocre players on on long term contracts. But once Pat Riley got a taste of the finals again, I doubt that he wants to go back to being knocked out in the first round and whatnot. So I think they're they're keeping the chalk dry as. As I think most teams should, unless you're just a market that can't get free agents. I think they did a smart play. You know, they, they still got to worry about, um, goodness, uh, re-signing or, or uh, extending uh, Adebayo. So they're just fine. They didn't have to make any hardcore moves. I mean, they made the finals as a fifth seed in the Eastern Conference. They're just fine. Yeah, no, for sure. I think, like what you were mentioning, the, there's pretty much the majority of these you know, teams that either find themselves in contention or, you know, not too far away from contention are all waiting for the 2021 free agency, right? Because next free agency is when everybody that's, you know, worth a damn is going to become available in comparison to this free agency, definitely. So for sure, there's a lot of teams and, you know, of course, us both being from Dallas, we're, that's going to be a topic to talk about quite a bit for the maps whenever we get to them. Because it's a lot of that going on one year, you know, team option or team option on second year contracts going around. And it's it's that people are trying to keep their financial flexibility to try and make a run at some players in 2021. So the next team on the list, the Clippers. Uh, notable, uh, notable transaction. They maintain Marcus Morris. They obviously lose Trez, who we were talking about earlier. They lose uh, Jamichael Green, and they add Serge Ibaka. What do you think? Man, I think that is going to be a huge difference maker. Huge. Serge Ibaka. Uh, he could stretch the floor. He's obviously not Ibaka anymore, but he still defends a lot better than Montrez. You're going to hear that a lot in this podcast. Um, I think that's a great deal for them. Uh, obviously, championship um, material has uh, chemistry with Kawhi. Um yeah, so that, that's a huge deal. I think that was the best deal out of the two LA teams right there. Because, yeah, Gasol is great, but he's a lot older. So Yeah, no, for sure. And I think the Serge Ibaka fit is a lot better as far as the way that that team is laid out, right? Because they're, they're – the Clippers, what they, what they need to be successful is to be locked down defensively. And if you go from Trez to Serge, that's probably going in the right direction if you're trying to do – you know, if you're trying to play great defense. Um, so no, most definitely the Serge Ibaka. I know he's probably if you you know not as good of a player as Trez is if you were to put him side by side at this point in, the, in in Serge's career, but it is a lot better fit. So I do I do like that move for sure. Um, Jamaica Green, that that's you know, I'm sure they probably would have wanted to retain him, but 
overall. Yeah, I think that's a difference maker, but not in the sense that they can't win a championship. Right, he's not going to them from winning. Yeah. It's not like, oh my goodness, they're going to fall apart. I think that for sure, the Trez and the Ibaka deal—that's probably the the what we see, right? The the loss of, of Trez and the and the uh, addition of Ibaka is what's going to make the the difference so far. What we've seen that with with their offseason. Uh, I do think, like I said, that the well, probably got better. They did, but I think they kind of overcompensated with the Marcus Morris con- uh, contract. I really, uh, I don't understand. Now, I understand if they did that for like two years, but like four-year deal, man, like is that was that necessary? Like I want to know who else is in the running to give him that money. I mean, I'm sure there were suitors, but I guess they couldn't replace him if they let him go, you know, you know due to their constraints with the cap. So I guess they were kind of like, well, Hopefully, I hope what happened was they asked Kawhi, like, hey, are you cool if we did this? Because that would make sense. Other than that, I don't know, man. Like, he was he was actually, to me, he was their third best player a lot of times in the playoffs. Sometimes second when George was just disappearing. But I don't know. I, I, think, I, think, the move, I think the move was necessary because, like what you just mentioned, they – they weren't going to be able to make another move, right? Like, it, that's the move that they had to make because nothing else was going to happen for the Clips. And if they don't make the move, then they're, wor- they're a worse team next year. And then you have to worry about both Kawhi and Paul George being free agents after a season where you were probably worse than the prior, right? So that's – you you kind of have to make that move because you can't afford to go backwards as a team right now if you plan on retaining Kawhi and Paul George. now. The way that after after the season, I mean, we'll, we'll we have to reevaluate. Obviously, like it, that may still they may still lose them, but if you didn't do that this off season, you didn't have another way of getting any you know, of improving. So, I feel like Marcus Morris was just he had a great opportunity, and his agent took advantage of it, and by a lot. And also, I think it's worth noting. Uh, I believe that. They're still they can still use an exception, the Clippers. So they were looking at Rondo. They decided to go elsewhere because I think he would aid into that exception. So I don't think the Clippers are necessarily done. So I'm still thinking they add one more player to shore up that bench. And but so far, if this is what they do, I think they're just fine. Um, but and this is not necessarily free agency, but I think they're gonna have to move on from Lou Williams and find a a, a trade partner for him. Yeah, that that more than likely ends up happening. Like you're mentioning, I don't I don't see. They just don't have a lot of flexibility, so they they have to make do what they do have available to try and, and improve. And that's kind of where that's kind of what what sucks about their situation. That said, they still have plenty of talent on the roster. The Ibaka, yeah, they do. They bought, but the Ibaka signing was such a valuable contract. I mean, because he easily could have got more than two years, nineteen mil elsewhere. I think he actually left money on the table to sign with them. So that was a great Yeah, he's probably to looking to try and contend, and he probably feels like being on the Clippers is going to give him a good chance of trying to, to do that. You know, I and I, I can't necessarily disagree with him. I think that it, it ends up being a good move in the long term for, for both for both the and for Surge. Yeah. Jokes aside, the Clippers are still going to be contenders next year. We can joke about it all we want, but we both know they're still going to be contenders and they're going to be in the running no matter what happens. So yeah, as long as you have Kawhi and a pretty solid roster around him, you're going to be good. Um, you're going to contend for sure. 
let's move on because sick and tired of talking about LA teams. Um, let's talk about Milwaukee. Man, the team that at one point I thought was going to have the best offseason, and then we had some fiasco that I don't think any of us foresaw, and then here we are now. So we'll talk about – let's see here. Um, they actually had quite a bit of activity. So they lose Wes Matthews. They lose Eric Bledsoe. They lose Robin Lopez. They lose Sterling Brown. They add DJ Augustine, Bobby Portis, Drew Holiday, Tory Craig. And then, of course, like I said, if, if you had taken away and switched the name DJ Augustine for Bogdanovich, that would have been a stellar offseason. Unfortunately for them, that's not how it goes down. The Kings are a joke, and I really don't know how that deal was agreed upon. Of course, now the NBA's got an investigation going on it. But it didn't. It fell apart. It, it's, it's a... <laughs> <laughs> really just kind of a shit show of a deal. Unfortunately for the Bucks, are on the losing end of that. That said, DJ Augustine as a consolation prize. I know no one's going to be excited about it, but it isn't necessarily like the worst thing that could happen to you. I mean, they get a guard, a veteran guard that has playoff experience, albeit, yeah, it's like first round, but he's done think like he was the sole reason or one of the main reasons that the Magic beat the Raptors that one game. Uh, the year that the Raptors won a championship. I mean, this guy has experience, right? He's been in the league for a while. He's a steady hand that they need. Uh, and it's Holiday, man. I mean, look, Holiday is a defender. He doesn't need the ball in his hand a lot, but he can still score. He can still run the points sometimes. Um, I think Holiday will help get the ball out of Giannis's hands so he doesn't have to become a, a half-court creator all the time because that's not his strength. Um uh, and and look, man, leave bought the Bogdan botch trade out of it, and the Bucks had a solid offseason. I mean, I know people want to shit on the Bucks. I think that's a fun thing to do. Uh, it's only cool to tamper if you're LA, evidently. <laughs> so, yeah, but other than that, Bobby Portis for what they got him for is okay. You know, Augustine's a steady hand. Um, Picking up Torrey Craig is a big plus. You know, he's just going to add on to the defensive mind state that that team carries, and he's an okay shooter. Um, I think the Bucks still did a really good job. Look, it's not like Milwaukee wet the bed in trying to get players. Like, they showed Giannis, hey, look, man, we were so active that we're getting in trouble for tampering, okay? It's not like that we're not trying out here. So... No matter what you can say about it, you can't say uh, that they fucked up because of a lack of effort. So all in all, I, I like what they did. Um, even without uh, Bogdanovich, Drew Holiday is what's going to keep them uh, in the playoffs. Uh, I'm not saying he's going to put them to a championship level, but yeah, I think he makes them more versatile and he just he's going to stick in with that culture so easily because the stuff they like to do on defense, so. Yeah, I'm I'm positive on the Bucks offseason. Yeah, so going into going into the playoffs last season, uh this Bucks team was widely favored to be in the finals, right? And duking it out with one of the two LA teams. And if you ask me today whether I feel like this team is better than they were last year going into the playoffs, uh I, my answer is yes. And so I think that if you're the Bucks, that you got to consider that a success, right? Um Drew Holiday is going to be a great addition to this team uh he's he's basically what they need in the sense that they 
they really struggle to, to, to have and create offense as far as anything that's in the half court set. Because as much as we all love Giannis, it's pretty much in the fast break or, you know, it's a struggle in the half court. And unfortunately, Chris Middleton's just not enough to, 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 you know, carry. But I think Drew Holiday helps alleviate the burden there. And I think that's a big move. And I think DJ Augustine's another great player to get them into their sets, try and get that going. All in all, I, I have to say, obviously, if they had been able to get the Bogdan deal secured, it would have been an outstanding. And they would probably be favorites for the championship run, despite whatever the Lakers are doing. That said, it doesn't get done. I, I still think they're better. They're just, you know, they're going to have to obviously build some chemistry here because they, they it is a lot of movement on the team. I'm curious to see how it's handled because this team has hung its hat on defense and now they're able to create a little bit more offense. What does that do as far as their, you know, their balance goes? I'm curious about what this team is going to be, but I definitely think they are better than they were last year. All right. Well, I think uh, we pretty much said all we need to say about the Bucks, man. I just... I just, on Twitter, everyone was flaming them. I'm like, dude, look, you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. If the Bucks didn't try to do anything at all, they'd get flamed. They did what they did. They still got flamed. I mean, they're the only team I know that got fined for tampering with their own player. Like, that's crazy to me. So, I, I'm, I, look, I get the jokes and stuff, man, but come on, dude. Like, they're a small market team. I think they got enough uh, working against them already. <laughs> All right, well, good luck to them, and hopefully they played really, really well, and they can maintain uh, the services of one Giannis Antetokounmpo. Um, they're definitely giving their best shot at it, but I don't think that effort is going to be part of the process and the decision-making for Giannis. I think it's going to have to be results, like how much success do you end up having? So let's move on. Next team, also super active, the Phoenix Suns, the undefeated team in the bubble trying to trying to capture that that momentum and take it into next season adding some pieces they feel like what they've done makes them enough to make some noise in the playoffs i don't know that they're contenders but they definitely think that they're good enough to to not necessarily just be laughed at all the time so let's go here they they maintain uh dario Saric. they maintain uh carter their backup point guard they lose kelly Oubre. they lose ricky rubio they lose baines and then here's where it kind of gets impressive. They added CB3. He's old as fuck, but damn, he was good last season. After what seemed to be the end of his career in Houston, just dying away and withering behind the dribble, dribble, dribble of James Harden. He is back to relevance. He is desirable. And now he's going to be running next to Booker, who can just straight up shoot fire. They add Jay Crowder, so they space the floor some more, and they add defense, which is excellent. Then they add more. Tell me, what do you think about the new look Phoenix Suns? Chris, the culture setter, Paul, is in the building, okay? DeAndre Ayton is no longer going to get in trouble for family piss tests or whatever the hell he was doing. Booker is going to be uh, looking to uh, grow. I mean, I think he was already on the verge of you know becoming something great. Uh, but I think he's going to be more than just uh, scoring. I think he's going to look to like play make or maybe even play a little bit more defense. I think Paul is going to have people accountable for what they're doing. And that's what Paul does. People can talk shit about him all they want. Oh, he cries. He complains. He's bitches too much. He, 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 
he uh, talks shit too much. Well, guess what? That's what happens when you got someone in there that wants to win and looks at the situation at hand is like, yeah, we can do better. I mean, look at what he did for DeAndre Jordan, okay? If it's not for Chris Paul, DeAndre Jordan isn't, you know, making all this money in his career. Uh, I think that Aiton is going to see a big jump in uh, production, and Phoenix Suns are not going to be a laughingstock. Uh, I am was, one for one, shocked because I did hear murmurs of Chris Paul to Phoenix, but I really just thought it was Phoenix bloggers just kind of putting it out in atmosphere. But turns out it was mutual between uh, Chris Paul and the Suns. And I think it is more so the case of the Lakers didn't want to give up whatever, because I think if it was up to Chris Paul, probably playing with the Lakers. But honestly, long-term, I think it's better for the Suns than it would be for the Lakers. Um, And I'm just excited, man. Uh, The Suns haven't been to the playoffs in 10 years. And they have one of the best point guards of all time playing for them. So congratulations to them. And they also picked up Jay Crowder. So they were still able to make moves. So, yeah, they had a pretty good offseason. Never move on from CP3, man. <laughs> I know that. I know that at night you sleep under a quilt of CP3 different team jerseys that have been stitched together to keep you warm at night. But all, all in all, it, it's a good move for the Suns. I also have to shout out Presty on this. The man's a magician. He's still bringing in returns. He's he's got about the next five drafts on lockdown. He's already won them and they haven't even happened yet. So shout out to Presty on that and shout out to the Phoenix Suns for making some good moves and for actually taking some chances. Uh, my condolences to Mr. Rubio. I actually like what he was doing with Phoenix. Unfortunately, he's having to move on his tweet um, as the, uh, the trade was breaking. Um, I quote, what a business um yeah man i'm sorry buddy uh it's just what happens when you're a pretty decent player and have value but aren't good enough to make enough waves to carry your team into further championship contention so it's just how it goes kelly Oubre, good piece um as well so they they did obviously lose some but i do feel like they gained more than they lost all in all the suns while i don't think they are contenders should definitely find a, a spot in the playoffs, which as if the Western Conference Finals was already tough, stacked enough, man. just gets a little the deeper. The West is tough, man. But, yeah, ah. the West is tough. That's all I'm going to say for now. All right, all right. As we're recording this, we have breaking news. For the Houston Rockets, they are going all in, win now, championship or bust. DeMarcus Cousins is going Rocket. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna add that uh, move list right now because I had it wasn't on my list here before we started the show. I'm gonna add it now. Okay, all right, Rockets. I mean, in all fairness, there were rumblings. Yeah, there were rumblings of Demarcus getting some uh, looks, but there were no teams attached. So, you know, it's one of those things. Was like, yeah, well, of course. Supposedly teams are interested, but if they don't put their name in it. Then what's you know what's the point of talking about it? But look, Houston was not. I did not think Houston was in a play for a center, but I guess now that Daryl Morey's gone, <laughs> they're going to go and get them a bunch of bigs because well, they still <laughs> they're don't overcompensating. 
All right. Let's see here. We're going to move on from breaking news, and we're going to go on to the Hawks, who were also really active, man. And for a team that was pretty pitiful last season, actually got a lot better. They do lose Jeff Teague, unfortunately, but they gain the Bo- Gallinari, the man who is got the best agent in the universe, continues to make crazy money. Was that one all-star appearance, I think? But that's all it takes. Who's Gallinari? that? Oh, well, yeah. Well, Tobias Harris has no all-star appearances. And look at the money he made last year. So I don't think it matters anymore. Some people for years, man. He's made a whole career out of it. Uh, Bogdan, okay, Mr. Nah, I'm not going to Milwaukee. He takes the money. Well, he's not official yet, right? Because they can still match it. They can still match. They have, I think, another day to match the Bogdan deal. So maybe he stays. Yeah. But if he goes to the Hawks, that's that's pretty significant. Yeah. Then they pick up Ray John Rondo and Chris Dunn to finally give that backcourt some defense because um, Lord knows that Trey is not slowing down anyone. So let's let's see, man. What do you what do you what do you think about the Hawks? Last year's rumors of Trey Young being really upset that they were not contending, even though they were only a few games into the season. I think that really uh, touched some souls. So I think they were like, you know what? I know next year is a better draft class, but we're going to have to pay um, some players soon. So let's go ahead and, and get our beak sweat in free agency. Uh, the Gallinari fit is going to be, full, I don't want to say flawless, but it's going to they're going to be putting up a lot of points. Let's just say that. Uh, Bogdan, I really think the Sacramento's not going to match because I think what they'll end up doing, I think they'll just end up keeping healed and let him start because there was trouble between healed and the front office and coaches that he was not starting games. Maybe they'll just let him start, let he, uh, Bogdan go. Honestly, I think they should match it and end up just trading Bogdan down the line. Um, but for some reason, I think they're just going to be like, you know what? We don't need to worry about more chemistry issues. Let him go. We'll find something else. Um, yeah, man. Uh, I mean, the East at the bottom is weak. I'm not going to say the East is weak because the East has they're, – they're pretty top-heavy. Um I think if everything goes right, the Hawks will be in the playoffs. I, I mean, that's not really saying much, but I think they're a playoff team next year. That's all I'll say. But I, I think that they did good by Trey. Uh, they went out and, and were pretty active. So he, I don't think he can be upset with what they did. They had so much money to burn. It's It was kind of ridiculous. But this is what they haul in. I, I uh, Obviously, they weren't going to get much worse than they were last season. So, yes, they improved. Um, they, if, if the Bogdan deal solidifies, they will be able to definitely light it up and then Rondo and Dunn can help with some of that defense. I, you know, it's, they'll, they'll still be a bottom 10 defense in the league. Yeah. They're not going to be, they're not going to be any good defensively. Um, but they're definitely better than they were before. Uh, I do, do I think that these deals make a big difference for them in the long run? No, probably not. They still need to do quite a bit of team building, but they at the very least are moving in the right direction. Speaking of moving in the right direction, let's talk about somebody who is not. Uh, The Detroit Pistons. I don't know, man. They got the third best player on the Nuggets. (laughs) (laughs) And and he's going to go contend to be 
the probably second best player on the Pistons. So, um, man, that's terrible. You know, they make a lot of moves. I don't know that they all make that much sense, but they lose Christian Wood, unfortunately for them. Um, they do add Jeremy Grant, who I don't know what he's thinking about taking that move because he could have stayed with the Nuggets and contended in the West and been a great player there. And instead, he is going to – And for the same price. As- yeah, no, I'm not taking the price. Yeah, if you're going to go to the Pistons, you might as well rob them of all they got. And you didn't even do that. So, Jeremy Grant, I'm sorry, buddy, but – you have fun dribbling the ball a lot more in Detroit because that's literally the only thing that they promised you that Denver could not. So you get to dribble a lot more and you get to dribble none at all in the playoffs. So have fun, Mr. Jeremy Grant. Mason Plumley. Um, thank God that this move was made because he was rumored to Dallas and I would have hated if that happened. So shout out to the Pistons doing right by the maps and Josh Jackson. Um, and that's pretty much the gist of it. So, so Noe, they made moves, but it was like they were on a treadmill. They just didn't go nowhere. They were moving a lot. They were clocking in like 20 miles on that treadmill, but just didn't do anything with it. So congrats to them, I guess, for being active and getting Jeremy Grant paid a lot of money, I guess. And Mason Plumley still is in the league. So, and he will not be messing up uh, end of game sequences for, you know, playoff teams anymore at least that's a consolation prize for us yeah i don't i don't even want to talk about the pistons anymore so let's just move on um the, <laughs> it's just, the, the team that uh lost jeremy Grant, detroit fan base over here yes we love you <laughs> i don't know what to tell you guys up in detroit man um the bad boys are fun to watch and no not really <laughs> Uh, if you're like into UFC, I guess. Um, yeah, yeah, the Denver Nuggets, they obviously, they lost Plumlee and Grant, who we were just talking about. They lose Tory Craig. They maintain Paul Millsap. Uh, he decided he didn't want to leave because he didn't want to uproot his family, um, which is, it feels like a really weak response to why you stayed as far as like the NBA competitiveness goes, right? But obviously, family is important, so... Good for him for for actually considering his family and his career choices. Uh, DeMichael Green is uh, one of the additions there. Did the Nuggets, did they get better? Did they get worse? Did they just make a a lateral move? Well, I want to say they got worse, but once again, not for a lack of trying. I mean, a very puzzling move by Grant to not just re-sign with the Nuggets for the same amount of money and less response. I mean, you're telling me I don't got to do as much and I'm getting paid more? Like, Sign me up, man. Like, I don't know who his agent is. I don't know who represent what agency he's with. But, man, I don't know who the brain trusts. I don't know what's going on over there. Like, I don't get it. But losing Plumlee is who cares, man? Plumlee was killing the Nuggets, okay? Whenever Jokic had to play damn near the whole first quarter. And as soon as Mason Plumlee gets in there, they're giving up points. He obviously gave up a game-winning shot in game two to the Lakers to a phantom screen. I mean... They didn't lose much there, okay? But they lost a lot of headaches, thankfully. Um, but losing Torrey Craig, uh, so they weren't able to to re-sign him because they just didn't have enough roster uh, spaces, apparently. So he just left. 
that I think that'll that'll probably sting a little bit. Jermichael Green is a, a very good signing. He possibly will start at the four. Other than that, uh, he'll either way he'll be a, a great addition to the bench if he doesn't start. Um, Paul Millsap. Uh, I mean, at least he's only on a ten-year deal or a ten-year deal. Oh my god, a ten million dollar one-year deal. Wow, <laughs> old man Millsap at that point. No, but uh, I think he'll be okay, man. But I think it's one of those things where they're just going to have to monitor him with his age, and he's just going to have to worry about the playoffs. Um, Michael Porter Jr. has got a lot of uh, pressure now. This That's what the, I'm thinking about. Michael Porter Jr. is going to have to perform on the defensive side and be more consistent because Grant is – that's what what Grant brought. And Paul Millsap's okay defensively, but I, I'm assuming he's going to regress – right? He's another year older and he's not LeBron James. LeBron James is the only person that I know that doesn't regress drastically once he gets to like 35, 34 years old. So uh, I'm not necessarily unhappy with what the Nuggets did, but man, they, they kind of lost a few steps. Uh, I still think uh, what we saw in the bubble is real for Murray. And obviously we know what Jokic is capable of. So I still think they're going to be top four in the West. But I think they're going to have to make some more moves. And they were rumored in the Drew Holiday trade, but I think uh, Michael Porter Jr. was a player that they were probably told that had to be in the trade, so they were like, no. <laughs> Which, in the short term, I don't agree with, but in the long term, I do agree with. I agree that they should not trade him for that. Plus, I mean, the Bucks had to give up two or three picks, so maybe, yeah, that's that's, that's steep for a one-time all-star that was an all-star in the East when Rose was injured. But I digress. Yeah, I think the Nuggets, I don't know, man. I want to say it's a lateral move, but at the same time, they lost some, they lost a few defenders and, but they also gained green. So yeah, I don't know. I don't really have much to say in terms of like, oh, they had an outstanding offseason or they had a poor, I think it was a mediocre offseason and it wasn't because they, they did a bad job. I mean, Grant literally, took the same amount of money to go play with the sh- – I don't want to be too rude, but with a bad team. So the Nuggets were like, hey, we'll pay you that three-year deal for 60 mil. Nope, didn't take it. That's on him. Uh, so I think they're not done. They're going to have to find a way to get a little bit better for playoff time. Um, it, they, they definitely got a slight reward. They, they still have time to make some stuff happen, but – all in all, slightly worse is probably what I would say. Let's uh, move on because we got we still got a couple more teams to talk about, and we've been saving the Mavs for last, and I know that's where we're going to stay the longest. So let's move on to the Hornets. Uh, the give away all your money to somebody that has been injured for on and off the last few years. Hornets. Um, they drafted Lamelo, um, which I guess is, is worth noting because all of the hype there. Uh, and then they added Gordon Hayward for four years, one hundred and twenty million dollars. Uh, yeah, they do, they do retain Bismarck Jumbo and they uh, stretch wave to Batum to get the Hayward deal done. Um, I they got better. Okay, right? next um, team. No, I'm that's just for sure. They, they, <laughs> there's only one direction you can really go when you're the Hornets. So you got better. Um, I think because of LaMelo for sure. And then you give yourself a chance to get better depending on what Hayward really ends up being. Um, 
all in all, I don't know what the future of this franchise is. Um, but Jesus Christ. Uh, congrats to to Gordon Hayward. Whenever he opted out of that deal, I was like, there's definitely some tampering involved here because why would Gordon Hayward give up $34 million in a year? He must have some sort of... Yeah, I was like, he had to have some, some sort of long-term deal you know, tied up, and then everybody was like, oh, yeah, he's focused on one of the Pacers, and I was like, okay, he's probably got something worked out with them, and then out of nowhere, the Hornets come smacking out with $120 million. and then I was like, Gordon Hayward must be a genius. Or it's our money, baby. The well, the thing is wrong. Ainge could have got players in a sign-in trade, and he was being stubborn, and Gordon's like, well, screw this. I'm going, and I'm just going to go to this team, but it looks like Hayward want to go to Indiana because he has ties, obviously, to, to, the, uh, to there. And uh, the Pacers were offering, um, man, to give up uh, Miles Turner. And supposedly the Celtics were not high on Miles Turner, even though he's like what you want in a center nowadays, has shot blocking ability and can shoot the three at a decent clip for his position. Didn't want to take on his three years, 18 million. So the Pacers were like, well, we can't do it then. And next thing you know, um, Hayward is in Charlotte, and fun fact, Charlotte actually tried to get him the last time he was in free agency, and uh, it was when he was with Utah, and Utah matched the deal. So it's not like this is out of nowhere. Uh, he's had some interest in the past. So congrats on the Hornets getting him four or five years later. But, yeah, they'll be good this year. I don't know. What oh, I, I should not say good. They will be good for Charlotte standing yeah. this year. But I don't know how good they will be next year and the year after that. Uh, but I will say congrats on getting LaMelo. I think LaMelo's ceiling is high. I don't know about his floor, though. But I think he is one of the more dynamic players in the draft that if everything goes right, I think he'll be one of the players that was drafted this year. But that's all I have to say, man, because, I mean, this is yeah. – I feel so bad for whoever is a Hornets fan and just any small market team because when you're – Marquee signing is a guy that was a one-time all-star and unfortunately has suffered some very uh, discouraging injuries the last few years. That's your marquee signing? Man, I don't know. That's that's dark. <laughs> it is a bleak future for the Hornets. Hopefully they can find a way to turn it around. <laughs> Let's move on to uh, another dumpster fire. Um that actually is probably going to contend a little bit, or at least I think they will. They are, to me, the mystery wild card team for the 2021 season. The Houston Rockets, um, they lose Covington, they lose Rivers, they lose Jeff Green, they add Christian Wood, they add Sterling Brown, and they have just added DeMarcus Cousins. What, of course, they... They, they retain uh, Russell Westbrook, who was rumored to be moved, and James Harden, who was also rumored to be moved, um, both because they are unhappy with the situation in Houston and the lack of winning. So tell me, what do you think about the Houston Rockets offseason, first and foremost? And then we can talk a little bit more about their future. Well, so they traded Covington for two first-round picks, which is actually pretty good. And I believe Ariza is expiring. And I think Ariza has since been moved again. Uh, there's a running joke that he's been traded like six times. And before that, any of these um, 
moves can be uh, consummated. Uh, but the Christian Wood <laughs> signing was impressive. I really didn't think they had the money. Oh, I didn't even, you know, I, I really didn't think they had the money or they were even going to go after a player like that. So kudos to the front office in Houston for trying to compete still. Um, and yeah, three-year deal, 41 mil. Um, Westbrook is going to get moved. It's just a matter of when and what the heck it's going to cost. Um, I don't know if New York's going to get him anymore. I really don't because I was suggesting that Westbrook uh, gets traded to New York for Randall. Um, Knox and two of the Dallas first round picks. I'm, I had some pushback people saying, no, that's too many picks. But my retort was, well, the Dallas picks are going to be high picks anyway, or low picks. Cause you know, they're going to be like in the twenties. So it's not like you're really giving up nothing too crazy And New York gets there. I mean, technically he was a third team, all NBA last year. So they get their starting point guard that they've been starving for, for years. Um, but other than that, yeah. I don't think Harden's two going point. anywhere. Two-time MVP Russell Westbrook is the perfect fit for the Knicks, right? Like that seems like the most dysfunctional franchise in the league, and the most dysfunctional player in the league would be the perfect fit. You say two-time MVP? One, is he not? Is he not? No, he's a one-time. One-time. Yeah. And that, and even then, one that one MVP. was one of the most closest MVP races when it was Kawhi, Harden, or him. Remember, that was like the closest MVP race I've seen, at least from a three-headed race that I've seen in quite some time. But yeah, no, I but other than that, man, Houston is they they made yeah, some positive what moves. What's that? I say who knows what they really are because it's hard to 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 say what Houston's gonna be because we don't know if we don't the Westbrook situation could could change that whole roster around depending on what you know they're able to get in return for him. So it's and and then that deal, whatever happens with the Westbrook deal. And whatever those returns are, may decide what happens with Harden. Because now Harden's, I mean, he turned down fifty million dollars a year to stay there. Um, if you want to talk about somebody that's not convinced about where you're going, that's quite the statement. So, wh- whatever the deal is with Westbrook and what they get in return, I guess, probably decides what happens with James Harden. This Rockets team that we're looking at right now may be completely different a year from now. Yeah, and but let's be honest here, man. Whatever that the Rockets get for Westbrook, I don't think it's going to be enough to even like they're going to get worse. Like as bad as we say they are with Westbrook, they're going to get worse once they trade him. Because unless what I think is going to happen, they'll they'll let him play and get his stock back up, and so they can actually get some pieces for him. But as of right now, if they traded him, they're going to be worse flat out, um, and they might not even get a first round pick out of it. So. If we both assume that they are going to be worse after that trade. What where, where does that put them with James Harden? I mean, does, does James Harden head to the front office immediately after that and say, I want out too? What's he going to do? Doesn't he still have like two years left? Yeah, but he can still try and force his way out, right? That's fine. Uh, I'm not uh, – that Brooklyn. I know they keep saying Brooklyn don't got enough assets, man. I'd rather swallow my pride and go to Philly. And I know that Fertitta doesn't want to do that because, you know, what Maury did – by bolting out of there, but that's to me where lies the best assets for Harden. It's going to be interesting to see uh, the Rockets, the I guess the Harden era. It feels like it's coming to a end in a just really unfortunate and a situation because it you feel like they should have contended for more, right? I mean they were they were 
pretty freaking close. Um, no, nah, they no, they contended, man. They did. They just happened to be runners up to Houston. You know, that's not much you can do. I mean, not Houston. Uh, runners up to Golden State. I think all in all. They did a pretty good job considering the circumstances, but it's just time Speaking to move moving on. on. Let's go on to the next team and the final team we're going to be covering today and the one that we wanted to spend the most time with on. The Dallas Mavericks, your Dallas Mavericks, my Dallas Mavericks, they have decided that they were going to turn the role players and the bench upside down. I have been complaining about the role players all of last season, and Lance, you have had to endure my constant berating of all of the scrubs that sat on our bench and rolled played through this roster for a year. And then all year long, all I heard was defense after defense, excuse after excuse for this roster. And it seems that the Mavs have finally agreed with me that I was right and that you were wrong. Let's, they've shipped out DeLon Wright. They re-signed Trey Burke. They re-signed Collie Stein. They re-signed end of the bench slash coach, J.J. Barea. They add Josh Green via draft along with two other perimeter defenders slash three, three and D guys, right? They trade for Josh Richardson, and they add also trade for James Johnson. Defend yourself and tell me then afterwards what you think about the Mavs. Defend my – they didn't trade any scrubs, first of all. Uh, Curry is not a scrub. He's one of the best three-point uh, percentage shooters in the league of all time at uh at that um but josh richardson i was not sad i was when i heard that seth curry got traded but when i saw who we got traded for i was like okay i'm happy with that um and it kind of made sense for both teams uh the james johnson deal i knew that was strictly you know expiring contract saving up for next year but at the same time we do get an enforcer uh a uh, friend of the pod, Tim Cato, in his, one of his recent articles was noting that James Johnson is a black belt. Uh, I guess he's a certified black belt. Don't really know what that does for the NBA, but hey, he is a tough guy. And he has an expiring contract, which is cool. Um, which is really what I take from that. Um, other than that, the draft was great. I was really hoping they'd get Sadiq Bay because that was the name I kept hearing. Uh, he actually went next, uh, the next pick to Detroit. But I'm uh, Mavs draft who was on last week had a lot great things to say about Josh Green, and he's telling me that he could actually crack the rotation. That's how good he is, and we know that's hard for uh, rookies to do unless you're Luka Doncic uh, for the Mavs. So I'm happy. I'm really happy. Uh, it seems like uh, the main takeaway from a lot of uh, national NBA uh, podcasters, writers, that the Mavericks had a, a really good offseason. And the fans that are mad about the Mavs not like signing anyone or making huge deals, like other than the guys that they retain them, they kind of got to test the like check the room, man. Obviously, the Mavs have been talking about 2021, like with what they've been doing in terms of like the year, the contract years are given out. Like they're not looking for 2020 to be their make or break. It's 2021 because next year will be the last year where they can get away with signing someone like to a max deal. Um, after that, because you know they got to pay Doncic, and we can assume that Doncic will be the highest paid player in the NBA, uh, or at least one of them once his contract, uh, once he's eligible for an extension. Um, but yeah, uh, I think the Mavs they did a great job, and any fan that says otherwise is does not pay attention to the tea leaves. 
um, and it just doesn't pay too much attention to the team. Uh, I think them getting Willie Colley Stein was uh, was great. Uh, it was weird that he got paid more money than he did last year because he really didn't do nothing because he didn't play with the Mavs uh, in the bubble. But they definitely needed another big because uh, we don't know what Powell's going to be. Like people are saying, oh, we already have Powell's. Like, yeah, he's coming off of an Achilles injury. We don't know what he is, and we know what Willie Colley Stein is right now. And KP is going to miss. Uh, I mean. People, there's people saying he might be able to to play, but I think it's better if uh, if they uh, slow roll his uh, his appearances in the beginning. But yeah, all in all, I'm happy with it. Josh Richardson is going to be one of the best uh, defensive players uh, on our team, arguably the best, and he can still fit within the offense. So, yeah, yeah, I think um, I guess for, I think the Trey uh, Burke deal, I like that a lot. He was an excellent change of pace coming off the bench in the playoffs. He's super explosive. I like for him to get plenty of minutes, probably over Jalen Brunson, which I know at one point uh, would sound, you know, like I was crazy here in Dallas. But I do think that Burke is, is a nice change of pace over over you know Jalen Brunson as far as coming off the bench. Collie Stein, if you were to tell me Collie Stein or Mason Plumley, I am happy that it worked out the way it did. Uh, JJ Barea, I can't say I quite understand um, as far as a team building aspect goes. I do know, obviously, that there is a lot of, you know, the uh, leadership, uh, chemistry, and just overall, you know, presence of JJ Barea on the team. I I feel like they probably could have done that still and just kept him on as a coach. But I guess he's ready to retire. He's they're going to keep him at the end of the bench. He'll sparingly play. So, you know, that's neither here or there for me. Uh, DeLon Wright moving on was important. I think we both agree on this. We've talked about it for a long time. He's a great player. He, he's he's not leaving Dallas because he's a scrub. He's leaving Dallas just because he's a bad fit. Um, and being able to get some return, it, I think it works out It works out well. Josh Green, um, I, I don't – I'm 100% honest. I don't know much about him he, other than he's a three and D guy, um, I hope that you know he's he's what the Mavs were looking for. Obviously, this draft was not as deep, and we were not exactly picking high in the draft either. So, I've got tempered expectations for what he ends up being. But if he can crack the rotation, I think that's a success. Josh Richardson is definitely going to be a big addition. I'd love to see somebody other than. You know, the usuals being abused on defense, I think he actually might be able to do, you know, hold it down a little bit, right? Um, I think that the biggest thing is by watching what the Mavs have done this offseason, it's definitely almost as a direct reaction to what happened in the Clippers series. They were just not physical enough. They, they, they were not well matched up defensively. Kleba on Kawhi, without obviously disparaging Kleba here because it's not his fault. It, he was asked to do more, far more than he should be. Um, but it was a disaster. Um, Kawhi, uh, you know, just absolutely did you know, had his will. And, and Kawhi is a great player, and he'll probably do that to most players. But Kleba was just not, you know, he was not the, the answer. And Unfortunately, he was probably the closest thing to an answer that the Mavs had because they just they, they weren't set up for it. So I think that's kind of the biggest thing that 
I take away from this from this is they they got more physical, they got better on perimeter defense. James Johnson, you're mentioning, uh, is a black belt. He's got a seven and zero undefeated mark in UFC fights and mixed martial art fights, which is insane. Um, so definitely tough guy. Whatever there. that means for basketball. <laughs> yeah, no, I it does it doesn't mean a lot. But you and I talked about this before. Um, every team needs a dog, right? They need an enforcer that can kind of get out on the court and get dirty. Um, and as a matter of fact, I mean, you saw it in that same series, right? Like Marcus Morris came out and bullied, you know, Luca, and Luca obviously responded really, really well on the court. Um, and Paul, yeah, hey, I don't want to say he bullied him, man. I don't want to say he bullied him because there were times where Luca he attempted to, yeah. And and yeah, and it's, but, it, you know, KP tossed out of a game. And that's kind of what, like, the kind of players that they there's a role that is essential that needs to be filled on every roster by somebody that fits that structure. And I and I think that that's what James Johnson does for the Mavs, right? They bring somebody in that can come in and and get dirty, and, and if he gets tossed, you don't care. Um, and hopefully he gets tossed along with one of their really good players, and that's a plus, right? Uh, I know that this is not probably like what everybody assumes to be like proper basketball tactics, but gamesmanship is just as much part of the game as anything else is. So James Johnson is definitely uh, – he's a dog, and he's he's one of those tough guys and hopefully brings out the toughness out of some of the other players on this roster, you know, that not saying that they're pushovers or anything like that, but there's obviously different t- types of players. James Johnson is definitely one of those that's a tough guy. Um, all in all, do the Ma- are the Mavs a better team today than they were at the end of last season? Yeah, I think we both agree yes. that they are most definitely a better team. I think we'll see them regress slightly on offense, which is probably to be expected because they were his- they were historically great offense last season. Um, and I am 100% okay with taking that step back offensively if it means that our defense is good enough to hold us and hold leads, you know, that we couldn't hold last season at the end of games. So I think all in all, this team, like I said, may not be as explosive as it was offensively last season, but I do think that they made the improvements made on defense far surpass the shortcomings that we'll see uh, on offense in comparison to last year's teams. I like the moves a lot. I think that these are moves that are designed to be better suited for playoff basketball, which is which is obviously what the Mavs are looking at. And then ultimately still give you the ability to came, to maintain financial flexibility. I know people in Dallas hate it, but the powder is dry for 2021. So the idea here is you got good enough to hopefully make a deep run in the playoffs. And if you can do that, you become that much more attractive for a big name free agent in 2021. And if, you're at that point not just attractive, but have the money to do it. Then you're setting yourself up to what could be a legitimate championship window for the future. Obviously, a lot of things got to go right for all that to happen, but that's kind of the writing on the wall that we're seeing as far as what the Mavs front office is trying to do and what they're trying to set up the team for. They're setting them up for a deep playoff run to basically showcase themselves to potential free agents next season to try and make a legitimate championship run. Yeah, I think you said it best, man. Um they just overall they just got better 
athleticism wise, you know, they have actual athleticism. Um, Josh Richardson, I, I, I know I keep saying this, but man, I'm, I'm impressed with how they were able to turn Curry into Josh Richardson. And they also got an additional second round pick out of that. So kudos to, to the Mavs for doing that. In, in, you know, he's coming off a down season, right? Um, that's why they were able to get him for what they got him for. And it was perfect. It really was perfect because the Sixers desperately needed the shooting. And that's exactly why Josh Richardson wasn't a success in Philly. That he just well, okay. So no, here's what I'm going to say. This is what was, I'm going to say about that. He didn't fit well because they were ex- they were expecting him to be more of a ball handler. That's the problem. He's that's not who he is. Right. He can, but that's not what he's supposed to be doing. He's supposed to no. be just get, getting stuff from yeah. what people give him yeah. and guarding some of the better players on the team, at least you know in the guard position, and. I think it was it was one of those right. perfect trades that you very rarely see in the NBA where it makes sense for both teams. Curry went on to a team that desperately needed shooting, and the Mavs are oh, just good enough with shooting where they don't like Curry. They will miss Curry's three point shooting, but they're not going to be losing like ten to fifteen uh, more games with them not him being on the roster. But they gain someone that doesn't necessarily need the ball and that can guard a multitude of players. So. That's what's where it's still with Richardson. Yeah, the Mavs have what's that? Yeah, the Mavs have plenty of shooters. I said the Mavs have plenty of shooters. You know, Burke, Burke is on the roster; yeah. he can shoot. Uh, Tim Hardaway Jr., who uh, opted in, obviously can shoot. Uh, the new kid, Josh Green, he's he can shoot. Josh Richardson is not, you know, he's not an amazing shooter, but let's face it, playing along Luca does bring those percentages up a little bit because you're going to get great looks, and because you're not responsible for handling the ball. He should be able to move off the ball and get some decent looks. The team is not going to hurt for the three-point shots. Yes, obviously Curry was the most proficient, but you have more than enough three-point shooters on the roster to where you can continue to space off the floor because obviously KP is going to continue to space the floor as well. Luka is obviously able to hit hit his three-point shot. There's, There's still plenty of shooters to do it. What you didn't have was any quality perimeter defenders, and I think that if you can sacrifice a shooter, which you have plenty of for something that you didn't have any of before. It makes sense all, all in all. And you get the second round pick tossed in there as well. So I think all in all, it, it, it makes sense. Well said. Um, I honestly don't have anything else to say about the Mavericks. I, I think we uh, tooted our horns uh, pretty effectively. And for the first time in quite some time, they, they had a really, really good off season. I mean, I know last year, you know, they had an okay offseason. They retained a lot of players. They signed, you know, KP to that max deal. Um, but this year, they, they actually took some chances and and added some players, you know, and were able to get some, uh, you know, draft some players too. So um, in a market that wasn't necessarily great for agency-wise. The Mavs still also have decent – assets currently on the roster that they could still make some moves you know they 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 have some expiring contracts um they have some players that still have some value under control uh don't don't be surprised if we see some mid-season activity from the Mavs they aren't known to be shy about any deadline trades so there there could be some of that brewing if I think they'll they're going to run it like this and see how the team looks and if they like what they see they they 
they'll probably base their decisions based on the evaluation that they see at the beginning of the, of the season. Um, but but there's definitely a lot of flexibility as far as what the team can do with the way the roster is currently constructed and the way its contracts are set up. So, and that's good. That's good news for Mavs fans because this team typically can be trusted to make great moves. You know, the, the front the front office. Donnie's, you know, he's a guru as far as making trades goes. That's the only way we've been, you know, competent and and been able to stay in contention since our free agency luck has been garbage. That said. You know, I think the Luka effect, especially, like I said, if there's a deep run made in the playoffs and KP can stay healthy. And those are those are big ifs, I understand. But that's that's kind of what the Mavs are banking on. Um, the Mavs will be an attractive destination next summer for sure. It's definitely different from when from when Dirk, you know, was trying to get people here late in his career as he was on the downstream. But that's that's uh, that's all that's all for today. I think. Um, let us know what you think. Go ahead and uh, rate. You know, hit us on Twitter if you want. Tell us how bad we are at what we do. Tell us how good we are at what we do. Tell us what you agree with. Tell us what you disagree with. Tell us if uh, if your team sucks and we said it and we hurt your feelings. You know, let us know. We'll laugh at you on Twitter too. Where can they find you on Twitter, Noe? I am at. A Noe eleven, um, so you can catch me there if you uh, if you care to hit the follow button. I will definitely follow back. All right, and of course uh, you can find me at uh, on Twitter Lance underscore nine seven two. I try to keep it as simple as possible. But yeah, uh, please go on Apple Podcast, review us five star, four star, but just give us uh, constructive criticism. We're all about improving. If there's anything that we can do to improve or tell us what you like about our show, um, me and Noe are still uh, contemplating what next week's episode is going to be, uh, but I'm sure it'll be fun just like uh, this week's episode was. But uh, everyone, be safe, continue to wear your mask, and uh, respect everybody, uh, and continue to continue to ride the wave of culture surfing.